We are continuing in our teaching series in the Old Testament book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 1, God's people were exiled by King Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon, where eventually the prophet Daniel was elevated into the king's royal service. Now, although King Nebuchadnezzar was not a follower of Israel's God, he was so impressed with Daniel's wisdom and ability to interpret and judge matters that he elevated Daniel within his empire, even above his own team of national seers. But friends, the story of Daniel is not about the prophet's skill and abilities or his value within the king's court. Rather, the book is about a God, a trustworthy God, and about Daniel who chooses to live with integrity and faith and put his trust in that God, no matter what his circumstances are. Daniel is our model of godliness in the fires of life. And in Daniel 2, we see more of who God is and more of who Daniel is under pressure. I encourage you to grab your Bible or open up a Bible app and find Daniel chapter 2 toward the end of the Old Testament. The year is 605 B.C., And one night as King Nebuchadnezzar sleeps, he has a series of dreams that really trouble him. So the king calls in his national sorcerers, magicians, astrologers to help him understand the meaning of his dream. He takes the dream so seriously that he tells his team of seers that they first need to tell him what it was that he dreamt and then tell him what that dream meant. And that if they failed to do both of those steps correctly, they would be put to death. The magicians and the sorcerers naturally balk at step one, saying that no one on earth can possibly get inside the king's head and tell him what he dreamt that night. They say that only the gods could do that, and these gods don't live on earth with people. King Nebuchadnezzar knows that his team is stalling, that they're rationalizing, and he doesn't concede. In fact, eventually, he decrees in verse 12 of chapter 2 that all the wise men of Babylon should be executed. Now, unbeknownst to Daniel, this includes him and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we pick up the story reading in Daniel chapter 2, verse 14. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what his dream meant. Then Daniel went home, told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret, so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And when Daniel woke up, he praised the God of heaven. And he said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. 
Daniel finds himself in a life and death situation and doesn't doubt that God knows the king's dream and its meaning. He goes straight to Nebuchadnezzar to ask for time and then he goes straight to his friends and says, we need to pray and ask God for divine revelation. And God answers. And Daniel, before he does anything else after he gets that answer, he stops, he thanks and praises his God. Daniel acknowledges that God is in control, that God is the source of all wisdom, and that God holds the future of all humanity, even for kings and kingdoms. Let's keep reading in verse 24. Then Daniel went in to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. Daniel said to him, don't kill the wise men, take me to the king, and I'll tell him the meaning of his dream. Ariah quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. The king said to Daniel, Is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Daniel replied, There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. And now I will tell you your dream and the vision you saw as you lay on your bed. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals the secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it's not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to know and to understand what was in your heart. In your vision, Your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge, shining statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron. Its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. And as you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. And it struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. And then the wind blew them away without a trace like chaff on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. That was your dream, king. And now I'll tell you what it means. Your majesty, you are the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He's made you the ruler over all the inhabitants of the world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are the head of gold. But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise to take your place. And after that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom represented by bronze will rise to rule the world. And following that kingdom, there will be a fourth one, as strong as iron, That kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. The feet and toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing that this kingdom will be divided. Like iron mixed with clay, it will have some of the strength of iron. But while some parts of it will be as strong as iron, other parts will be as weak as clay. This mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage, but they will not hold together just as iron and clay do not mix. And during the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. 
That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true, and its meaning is certain. Daniel concludes God's message to the king, and by fully accomplishing his two steps of saying what the dream was and then interpreting Daniel lives to see another day. Once again, he's proven his incredible worth to King Nebuchadnezzar. And what an opportune time for Daniel to rub it in the face of the king's magicians and sorcerers, his team of seers who couldn't accomplish this. What a time for Daniel to elevate his own flag, pat himself on the back. But friends, when we look at how Daniel conducted himself throughout the event, we can surmise that's not what happened. When put into the fire, Daniel relied on and humbly responded with three key truths and practices that we as God's followers can live by today when we find ourselves in pressure cooker type situations. The first thing Daniel did is he believed and he acted on the truth that only God can work in humanly impossible situations. The king's team of seers said it was humanly impossible to know what Nebuchadnezzar had dreamt, that nobody could get into the brain, into the mind of the king while he slept. They believed that only the gods could know that information and that those gods, at least the gods that they knew and that they thought were real, didn't live on earth to relay that knowledge to them. But Daniel knew different. Daniel believed his God was not limited, and he believed that his God could do the impossible. Friends, sometimes God allows us to be pushed to the edge of our limits where there's no human path forward. But he doesn't leave us stranded in that place when we turn to him. Often he'll say to us, wait, I've got this, wait on me. Or he might say to us, move, I'm going to lead you. I've got the path laid out before you, just trust me. And then he does lead us so that we realize afresh that he's in control and that he can be trusted. Daniel was on the precipice of death and he relied on the truth that God is in control of dreams and kings and kingdoms. And yes, God does guide his people in the midst of all of that. Daniel prepared himself with this truth and when pressure mounted, he didn't panic. He didn't try to rationalize away like the king's team of seers did. He immediately went to prayer and he looked for God to take over. Friends, when we're in the fire, when we're in those pressure cooker type situations, the second truth we need to rely on is the reality of prayer. No matter how severe the circumstance, our most effective source of stability is prayer. And it's because of whom we pray to and also who we pray with. You see, God hears us whether we're praying alone or whether we're praying in a group. But there is an advantage to praying in the group because often in that setting, God provides additional comfort and encouragement when we can pray with a group of trusted friends. Daniel immediately turned to his three friends and he asked them to pray with him. And then the third thing, when God answered that their prayers and God began to work, what did Daniel do? Daniel stopped and he realized there's no room for personal pride. There was only room. There was a perfect time to give thanks and praise to God. 
So immediately when he wakes up, after God reveals to him in the vision at night while he's sleeping what the dream meant, Daniel offers up a psalm of thanks to God. He doesn't run to his friends and say, I've got it, I did it, I figured out the mystery. Rather than pride, there's humility and praise flowing out of Daniel. He immediately honors God and then he continuously points to God as the source of his knowledge and the source of all power. Friends, praise is the appropriate way of recognizing who God is and what he does in our lives. Daniel was very specific as he discussed the dream with King Nebuchadnezzar to point Nebuchadnezzar to who God is and what God was doing at the time and what God would be doing in the future. So whether we're in a fire like Daniel was that that day and that night while he was waiting for God's answer, or we're finally out on the other side, we honor God by giving him the credit and glory for his specific working in our lives. And we leave the outcome, we leave the legacy of that event and of those circumstances to God. Look at verse 46 as the chapter wraps up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, after hearing Daniel's uh, interpretation of the dream, King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel, worshipped him, and commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. The king said to Daniel, Truly, your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. And then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all his wise men. And then at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's court. Daniel's outcome can be summarized by the words of James, a New Testament writer, in chapter 4 of his book, where he says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. He will determine your outcome. Friends, like Daniel, we're in turbulent and pressure-filled days. In Daniel 2, and we'll see it again next time when we look into Daniel chapter 3, Daniel reminds us that even though the circumstances are different, we are living with the same God who Daniel lived with. And that same God, our God, can handle anything. Our God can work through anyone. And our God continues to reveal himself, especially during the impossible. Our worship team is going to lead us in two more songs as we continue to worship this God. And maybe you're feeling like you've reached your limits and are facing the impossible. Well, then I encourage you to click the prayer button and one of our pastoral staff will be there to listen and pray with you. Or if you're watching on YouTube or one of our other uh, non-live platforms, then I encourage you to email us at prayer at jerichoridge.com. And we want to enter in to those difficult situations with you. Friends, let's take a moment to sing and to pray to this God together.